guys, Brian with Cajun Cardboard coming at you from the great state of Louisiana with episode number 11 of the Pop Report. I've got uh, at Midwest Vintage Cars, Josh Adams with us as always. Josh, welcome. How are you? How's your weekend going? Happy uh, Sunday. Good afternoon. Happy Sunday. We're shooting a little bit early today uh, to make our, our schedules fit. We're both busy. We both got a lot going on in the nine days leading up to the national. I can't believe it. Um, it's exciting. I'm, I'm still excited. I'm still a little bit worried about logistics and travel and stuff like that. But but I know I'm in good hands and I know I'll figure it out. I can just uh, play dumb and, uh, and and ask people how to get to where I'm trying to get to, right? Yes, right. We'll be fine. We'll get there eventually. I, the thing I'm worried about is how dumb I'm going to sound and look when I actually get to the convention center. Because I am literally going to be a kid, like, kid in a candy store. I'm not going to have any idea what to do. You'll be all right. We'll I'm going to write down an agenda. I'm OCD like that. You know how I am with spreadsheets and lists and, you know, yeah. hierarchies. I'm going to write down a list of what I want to accomplish. And uh, and really, I want to take like the first two or three hours just to freaking synthesize and process everything when I walk in the room. Well, the good thing is Wednesday is the late night, so you got a lot of time. Yes, that's right. And then um, I've gotten so many DMs. I'm sure you're the exact same way. The only difference is you've been there and done that. But I've gotten so many DMs of people saying, Hey, make sure you hit me up when you get there. And I'm like, man, oh. there ain't no way. I was like, I, I haven't got you this. see me. I want you to grab me, right? But like, there's no way in hell. Like, I've, I've literally got like 75 DMs of, hey, come find me. I'm at table, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow. I'm like, no, no. Oh, that's not. great. Yeah. I was like, I can't do it. I was like, there's no way I'm writing down 45 tables and going yeah. to see everybody. But I will, I will uh, make it a point. I want to see every single table uh, by like midday Thursday. And not buy one single card. Is that Good bad? Luck. Is that a dumb idea? No, if you, see, I don't know. If you see a card you like, buy it. Because if you see it and you pass, it may not be there. It might later. not, but I want to make sure I don't buy, you know, a big card when I was like, God, I wish I'd not bought that card because I didn't know this card was there. So I want to try to do enough laps around this place that I know exactly kind of what's there. And I'm sure a lot of tables, like if I see a vintage hockey table, no offense, right? But I'll probably keep on walking, you know, so that's one one less table I got to remember, but I want to get around the whole thing and uh, and kind of identify all the 90s insert tables because that's primarily what I'm going to look for. I mean, I you know, again, I might find an ultra modern card that I like or whatever, but it's highly unlikely I walk out of the national with more than three cards. If I had to guess, you know, it's going to be primarily mm-hmm. 90s stuff unless I find an awesome dollar box, which I absolutely love. So those are fun, but those are huge time sucks, right? You they are like- time sinks, aren't they? And I, yeah. you know, I don't know how much of it I'm going to have. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm going to have a hell of a lot more time than I think I'm going to have. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Anyway, so today's episode, uh, I think a lot of old people, like, here's what I've come to the conclusion. You're not super helpful. You're basically useless for the show unless we start talking about baseball, uh, weird, you know, uh, bread truck cards or hostess Twinkie baseball cards or hockey. And so I am going to cater to you, right? I care about you. You're my friend. I care about your feelings. You feel left out with the rest of the hobby and Instagram and all that stuff. So we're going straight vintage today, start to finish. We are going to go through our list, right? We've each put together our independent list of our most important uh, top 10 vintage rookie cards. And people are going to ask that question, Josh. They're going to say, what do you mean by vintage? You and I have different definitions of vintage. I know that. We've discussed this. But we're going to use my definition, which starts at 1980. It includes 1980 tops. And it goes backwards. I know that's arbitrary, but we're going to do it, you know, for not so subtle reasons, right? We know what 1980 means in the basketball card collected hobby, right? So 
We're going to go 80 backwards, and uh, you can pick any year, any player, um, and we're not going with grades. And this is not based on value, right? We talked about that. This is not what are the most valuable cards. Anybody can go on card ladder or their data, you know, pricing tool and figure out what's the most expensive, what's the least, blah, blah, blah. You know, George Mike and PSA 10s and all this crap. We're not doing that. This is what we think are the most important vintage cards. If you and I were going to put together a top, you know, our vintage top 10, these are the cards we go after. And we're going to talk about them in order. Is that fair? Yep. Cool. We're on the same page. So the way we're going to do it is I'm going to ask you to start with um, with number 10 on your list. And then I'll kind of chime in after that and tell you where it is on my list. But you're going to tell me number 10. You'll tell me why it's number 10. I've got card ladder pulled up. We've got it over here. Uh, so we'll pull up your card. We'll look at it. We'll look at like the first. What I've got pulled up, Josh, is kind of the first affordable, attainable grade for that card in PSA. Yeah. Right. So sure. if you see George Mike in 1948 Bowman, I've got PSA six pulled up, you know, a card that normal human beings can find and afford. Does that make sense? We're just going to kind of find that sweet spot card. So uh, let's go. Let's kick it off. Tell me. Uh, and look, I'm playing your game, so I may sound stupid here. So this is this will be a role reversal. Usually we'll ask a question about prism and you just kind of stare at the camera, scratch your head, right. with your kids, whatever. Uh, so I might look really dumb here. So, so I'm going to give it my best shot. And uh, and I'm sure I'll get some uh, derogatory comments telling me how much I don't know about vintage cards. But uh, right. talk, talk me through it. Talk, start with card number 10 for you. So card number 10 for me, I'm kind of thinking out of the box on this one. I went with Phil Jackson. Uh, mostly because not of, because of his playing days, but because of his coaching days and just how legendary he was with the Bulls in the 90s. You know, the triangle offense changed the game in the 90s. And then he did it all over again in the early 2000s with Kobe and Shaq. Yeah. And just he's left the indelible mark on the game as a coach. So I think he should be recognized and not, you know, top five vintage cars, but I think definitely top 10 and um, number 10 on my list. That's where he, uh, he comes in that's fair if you take into account obviously his uh and he won a title as a player too of course right. on some, yeah. some nasty knicks teams mm-hmm. uh might have been the last knicks team to win it right i yep. think it was way back when right so his rookie card i've got pulled up on the screen it's 1972 tops uh you said he had an indelible uh impact on the league as a coach and on the lakers and the bulls clearly he did you've got all the people in the world who are like oh he's a product of pippen and jordan and then you've got that other kind of faction out there that's like if it wasn't for him, they may not have done it. They may never have done it. They, they tried had Doug to Collins. It. They were together for, for years before, and Doug Collins couldn't get him past the Pistons. Yeah. They brought in Phil, and, and all of a sudden, the rest is history. So Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And when things happen, when good things happen around players and coaches uh, that many times, there's more to it than just dumb luck, right? Like Robert Ory's got a hell of a lot of rings. It's not just dumb luck, right? I mean, I know he wasn't the alpha. He's not the reason everybody had all those rings, but he's in the right place, the right time, and he mattered on a lot of those rings. Phil Jackson clearly spearheaded a lot of those. Uh, You know, I've always said that it looks like uh, he looks like Adam Lefko in that picture. Uh, He definitely doesn't look like a basketball player. It looks like um, he looks like a stoner. And I'll say this the two most misshapen people that I've ever seen in the sport of basketball, Kevin McHale. Yes. And Bill Jackson. Yes. When you see those dudes in their uniforms, they look like freaky, like misshapen skeletons. Like their shoulders are preposterously yes. wide and like tall and high. It's the strangest look. Those two guys have always just struck me as very odd. 
But uh, but if you watch the last dance, you know he was nasty, man. I mean, he grew up. He had a, uh, I think he grew up in like Wyoming or something yep. weird like that on a ranch. Yeah. Um, but he was he was nasty. All right, we're talking too much about Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's number ten on your list. On my list, he did not make my top ten or my honorable mention. So we'll let it go there. But if you guys are looking for a Phil Jackson card, his PSA ten is just preposterously low pop. It's pop four. Card ladders got it at twenty eight thousand on the predicted value. It's got it at fourteen thousand on the grade ratio. I think really the sweet spot card that everybody could go out and chase if they really wanted to put yeah. Phil in their collection is probably this PSA nine you're looking at on the screen. That card's up 120% over the last two years, right? So we're in that era where, oh, the hobby's crashing, we're dead, we're dying, everything's going down. This is a card. And even the last year, I think everybody would agree, all hell's breaking loose on a lot of these cards. Phil's down 14%. You know, he's down a few hundred bucks. Um, it's not the end of the world, you know? So, right. uh, so Phil's affordable. He's kind of steadied the ship, and uh, he's been a pretty consistent, steady vintage card. So uh, that's your number ten card. Okay, go ahead. Let's go with uh, let's go with your number nine card. Well, who's your number ten card? Well, are we gonna do it that way? Okay, fine. Let's do my number ten card. My number ten card is here. He is. It's Moses Malone, right? It's the 1975 Moses Malone. Um, let me let me pop it up here. Where's Moses on your list, Josh? Honorable mention. Okay. Only because okay. I went to the same school as him. So did you really? So my dad, I'll never forget. Moses Malone was uh like this this mythical Paul Bunyan, like the black Paul Bunyan, right? To me, because I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, right? And so uh back in the day, um, they used to have the uh Indiana All-Stars versus the Kentucky All-Stars. And they oh. used to play a game, and it was a really big deal because those are kind of the two blue blood basketball, two of the blue blood basketball sure. state back in the day. And I grew up in Kentucky, so Kentucky would play Indiana. And my dad tells a story where Moses Malone, uh, the first three shots of the game, he jumped up and caught people's shot and goaltended it and handed it right back to him. Three straight possessions. It's kind of an exhibition game, right? So it wasn't right. the end of the world, but uh, just to intimidate them and say, "Hey, no more. You're not going. You're not going to put anything in this basket for the rest of this game." So Moses Malone is on my list. He is, uh, along with Olajuwon, Josh, I think Moses Malone is probably one of the most underrated uh, basketball players that ever lived. Um, he wasn't super well-spoken. He wasn't real photo, you know, photogenic, energetic, or, or kind of one of those you know, good camera guys. Mm -hmm. So I think that played into it, sort of a Kawhi Leonard uh, aspect to his career like that. But um, – Arguably the greatest offensive rebounder that ever lived. One of the greatest rebounders that ever lived. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he won back-to-back -back, uh, MVPs. Mm, let's check on that, Josh. But that's a big deal, and that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, he was a finals MVP, three-time MVP, right? So he's got Jokic beat, and he's got Giannis beat. He's got a lot of people beat when it comes to uh, three MVPs. That's a lot. 13-time All-Star, six-time rebound champ. Uh, obviously won a title and was the MVP of that two times all defensive and he's in the NBA top 75. So Moses is my number 10. He's on your honorable mention. He, he doesn't check enough boxes for you. The Moses card. I think that, uh, that is like kind of affordable is that PSA nine. It's less than a thousand bucks. Um, it's pop 364 over the last two years. It's up 110%. So it's just about doubled, you know, so mm -hmm. but an affordable card nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Number anything you got any thoughts on Moses? No, it was great, but didn't that card that PSA ten sold for a boatload last year, right? Well, here's what, and that's a whole that's a whole episode we could have on that. Yes. But look, look, brace yourself. Watch what this PSA ten did, and I still don't think these two sales were real. But I don't either. Ten has popped thirty six. Okay, 
Look at that chart, Josh. That makes no sense. This card went 12,000 and then five months later, 99,000. And then one month later, 90,000. And then one month later, 20,000. I'm not buying it. I know these are vetted or whatever by card ladder. I don't, I can't imagine that. I don't think it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. And and this wasn't during the bubble of 2021, Josh. This was March of 2022. This is a year after the 2021 spike bubble, whatever you want to call it. So, and it's staying, it's staying flat for such a long time. All of a sudden, there's a huge spike. I don't know. Where did it sell? Would it sell on eBay or where did it sell? Well, one was uh, PWCC. Let's see if we go look at view all sales, another cool feature card ladder. So, uh, PWCC weekly, 96,000. And it was in now to be fair, it was a PWCC sticker. So I appeal all that good stuff. So premium copy, right? But it's pop 36. It's not like it's pop one or three or four. Uh, then it sold for 90 on Robert Edwards auction, which whatever, I've never been there. Uh, I know great. it exists. They're great. They're the best. And then, uh, you know, March 13th to May 19th, Josh, that's two months, April, May, that's two months. That's 60 days later. It sells for $74,000 less. I don't know. Something doesn't seem right there. Nope. I think these two are the anomaly in the, the 20s about right. But it also sold for 102000 in uh, the same PWCC Weekly. There were two copies. One went for 102 and one went for 96 in the same <laughs> weekly auction. Not premiere, weekly, right? In the weekly auction, there's a six-figure Moses Malone card and then a 96 kicker right behind it. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, crazy story. That was a crazy time in the hobby. But again, I went in 2021. I was in 2022. All right, enough about Moses. What's number nine on your list? Uh, one of my favorite players of all time, because he has the coolest nickname, is the Iceman, George yeah. Irvin. Mm-hmm. Irvin is one of only, I believe, four players to lead scoring, uh, to lead the league in scoring more than five times. And he's, uh, the other people are Jordan. I, I, have to, I used to have the stat memorized. I don't remember it. But uh, the Iceman was just... So smooth, so great at scoring. One of the best, I think, you know, of vintage cards of all time, vintage yeah. players. And I think he has to have a spot in the top 10 uh, if we're doing vintage cards. His rookie is 74 tops. There's one. a decent chance he was coked out of his mind uh, when he was setting those uh, Oh, for sure. <laughs> a decent chance. I'd give you, <laughs> you know, even odds that he probably did. Is it fair to say that that like uh, 80% of the NBA was doing coke between the years uh, 1975 and like 1982? Oh, my God. Uh, I think so, probably, and, right? And look, and that's why we owe, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. No spoiler alerts, but we'll talk about it later. But I think Bird and Magic saved the NBA, right? I think they saved it from that there was this perception that it was just a bunch of cokehead, you know, guys who didn't give a damn about anything. We're getting paid too much money. And, and then bird magic came in and they just, they, they saved the league, man. And they, they transitioned us and, and turned it into, you know, a TV masterpiece. And then they transitioned us over to the goat and Jordan. And then the rest is history. And it is what it is today, but I like, I like your Gervin call. Uh, he would be, uh, he's my honorable mention and he would be probably somewhere around 12, 13 on my list. If I had to choose, uh, one of the greatest, I mean, Magic Johnson, Air Jordan, Iceman. I mean, amazing nicknames, right? I mean, there's some great yeah. nicknames out there. You've got to put Iceman George Gervin probably in your top five nicknames in the history of NBA basketball. Uh, yeah, 12 times All-Star. Again, 75th anniversary team, and that's with never playing defense on a single possession of his entire life. His theory was score as many as you want. I'm going to score more. I did my job, and don't worry about winning. 
Uh, Iceman's 70 years old, man. 70 years old and uh, lives – was born in Detroit, Michigan. So, uh, you know, one of many incredible players that, uh, that were born and, and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um, so, Iceman's yours. Number nine on my list is Elgin Baylor. Um, here's a guy who I think is overlooked in the hobby. It's his 1961 Fleer. And this is going to be a repeating theme in this video, Josh, in this pod we're doing right now. Uh, first of all, that's a beautiful looking PSA eight on your screen. Sure. There. Like yeah. I feel that is bananas, right? It's really good. Maybe a little diamond cut at the top, but damn, those borders are pretty good, which is rare for 61 Fleer. Uh, and the color looks good. It's got a hell of a lot of print dots down here. It looks like he's got some kind of, you know, new age COVID or something like that with a bunch of white print dots all over him. But uh, I feel still great. Luckily, we have a Los Angeles Laker giraffe on the card up there in the pink basketball. Great. It's great image. Yeah about that neither one of us are old enough to know what the hell was going on with that but what does the giraffe have to do with lakers i don't know um giraffes drink from lake i don't lakes i don't know i don't know i know that they were they were called the lakers because they were in minneapolis back you know before they were in los angeles and that's the land of a thousand lakes or something like that right there's no, another ten thousand lakes ten thousand lakes ten thousand a million something there's a lot of lakes there so that's why they're called the lakers they moved to you know la and they kept the name sort of like Utah Jazz used to be in New Orleans. That's why they were the Jazz, right? The heart of Jazz. And then they moved to Utah and they kept the name, which is kind of weird. But uh, some people like it. Some people don't. Anyway, so I got Elgin Baylor on there. Elgin Baylor was an absolute animal. Um, he was kind of ahead of his time. Uh, he played the game with a little more flair than most people did in that era. Um, you know, uh, what did we say? His rookie card was 61 Fleer, which is one of the greatest sets of all time. I've got his PSA 8 pulled up. Uh, it's the first kind of uh, achievable card. Like if you look at his nine, Josh, it's a $24,000 card. It sold for 32 grand last time. It's only a pop nine, only one sold in the last two years. So I don't really consider that attainable for most people. We may not yeah. see one for another two years, but PSA, you're going to see it. Uh, here you go on in the last two years, it sold eight times for about 14 grand. Again, this is not chump change, right? I'm not saying everybody can go out and grab one, but uh, at least you could find one if you looked hard enough and you were yeah. patient enough, you know, usually it'll sell for maybe once every three or four months, something like that. So pop 63, big time card, big time player. I've got him pulled up hall of famer, uh, NBA 75th anniversary team. We're going to keep hearing that regularly. Yeah. Uh, 11 time all-star 10 time all NBA. That is something special. That's uh that's more all NBAs than like a Steph Curry and guys like that. As far as I know, I'll, I'll double check that, but I think I'm right on that. 10 times All-NBA is very unique. In fact, he went All-Star. He made the All-Star team, and he didn't begin in the NBA until he was 24 years old. He made every single All-Star team except one year, uh, and I don't know what the hell was wrong with him there. He had to have some kind of injury because he was averaging 25, 30, 35, 38, 34, 25, 27. Then he averaged 16 in only 65 games, so I'm thinking he was nursing some kind of injury. And then he wrapped up his career 26, 26, 25, 24, and then 10 and 11, he ran into horrible injuries those last two years. So he only had about a 12 year, true 12-year career, Josh. And he yeah. was not part of that, uh, that you know, historic Laker team that set the all-time wins record with Jerry West and Wilt and Gil Goodrich because uh, he quit nine games into that season uh, of one of the greatest teams that was ever assembled. And can you imagine if they had a prime Elgin Baylor on that team? It would uh, That would have been off the charts and nuts. But uh, – so his career ended a little bit too early, but man, his prime years, whew, they stack up pretty good because when yeah. he was getting you 30 and 35 and 38 and 34, he was also getting you 16, 20, 18, and 14 rebounds. And this is not the 50s, right? This is in the, the 60s and the 
uh, early 60s and mid 60s. That's a lot of rebounds for a guy who's only, what is he, 6'5", 225? Yeah. Who's 6'5 that gets that many rebounds? I mean, that's like Barkley, right? Rodman. Right. Uh, anyway, so that's my number nine. Who's your number eight, Josh? Baylor. Baylor was my number eight. So. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have to talk there about you that. Baylor's your number eight. So we'll move on to my number eight. My number eight comes from the exact same set, and it's Oscar. Uh, and I pulled up the wrong card. So let's pull up <laughs> 1961, uh, Fleer. Oops. It's number uh, 2036, number 36. Yeah, it'll pull up. And those cards are tough because a lot of those cards in the 60s had a lot of printing. Uh, they called snow, you know, that white, those white dots all over the, all yep. over the card. So, yeah, finding that anything above a seven or an eight's got a seven's a high. Yeah, card. there you go. And so look at the bottom left of that card. That's nuts, huh? Mm -hmm. You see stuff like that when you get back into the 60s and late 50s and stuff like that. You know, your 57 tops, your 61 Fleer. But, uh, you know, he played for the Cincinnati Royals, which later became, I think, the Sacramento Kings, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So here's Oscar's rookie card, card number 36. The same historic set as Elgin Baylor, same set as Will, same set as, you know, Jerry West. You know, go down the list. It's one of the greatest sets of all time with, you know, a, For sure. a heavy of amazing rookie cards. And it's not a big set either. It's really not a big checklist. No. Uh, but it just, you know, there was that gap from 57 to 61. So that's kind of like the 86 Fleer. It's kind of like the 2012 Prism. you got the, like, the extra rookie class, you know what I mean? There's a lot of regional cards between 57 and 61 that are yeah. that are – awesome extremely rare and like never come up um i don't want to get into it because i'm gonna get angry but uh there's a lot of them that i've, I've had i don't have them anymore and they're and i shouldn't have ever got rid of them yeah possible to find but the reason you know that that set is so popular you know fleer did their uh their retro version of this in a 98 the fleer 61 set and then they made uh the refractor parallel to it where the cards are numbered out of 61 and those yeah. are extremely popular. Like the top is a refractor, and the bottom is a uh, is a black and white photo. Th those are those cards are amazing. An uncut sheet sold less than in golden. I was was a going bit. after it. I got blown out of the water. Wait, wait, wait! An, an uncut sheet of the '61 vintage serial number to '61. Yeah, the '98 Fleer, the '98 Fleer retro. Yeah. Yeah, but the serial. but serial numbered. Yep, each one of them had the stamp on it because they weren't cut yet. So it just says out of 61. So you oh, it doesn't have the numerator. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. I was curious. Okay. It went for like, I think 26,000 with juice. Are you serious? I was high on it the entire week. Oh, I'm going to win this. And it went, it went from like a thousand to 10,000 in like five minutes. Like, Tell us your max bid. Tell us your max bid. My max, my max bid was like 10. I was like, I was in it for 10. Oh, so close, Josh. So close. I was so upset. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get it for 10. No way. And then it just, I just got killed. Yeah, so, and then it went all Moses Malone on you. And, it went Moses Malone on me. Like I didn't want to watch it. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. And then I just saw it this morning. Like, so look, I, everybody knows he was Mr. Triple Double before Westbrook. Yeah. Westbrook broke his records. Did that have an effect on his card values, man? Honestly, Josh, I don't know, man. But look, here's what I want to show you. Like, here's his PSA eight. It's yeah. pop 108. It's down 50%. You know, we've seen some of these cards are going up over the last two years. Oscar's down 50% in PSA eight. Look at this, PSA seven. It's now 71%. Wow. You know, PSA 6, yeah. 79%. Huh. You know, I don't say go by very often, but damn, man, that's a historic set. It's a pretty safe player. Yeah. He's an NBA 75th greatest. If there was a 50, he'd be in the 50 for sure. If there was a 40, he might be in the 40 as I well. So. 
You know, um, I, you know, we didn't, I don't think he won any titles. Did he win any titles? I don't think he won any titles. So that might have something to do with him. You know how everybody is with rings and crap. No, he did. He won this. Oh, that's what am I saying? He won the Bucks title, right? Mm -hmm. With uh, Kareem. So he was a beta. Obviously, we're going to give Kareem the, the alpha for that team. Yeah. He was always the alpha, just about. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what am I saying? I, I feel ashamed and, and embarrassed to be a Bucks fan. And I totally blanked on that. I'm thinking Sacramento, Sacramento. Of course, he didn't win anything there, but. 11 times All-NBA, Rookie of the Year, you know, MVP, one MVP, top 75, 12 All-Stars, uh, just absolute behemoth, you know. And then he had that stretch where he averaged, you know, a triple-double. And, and it was uh, right near his rookie year. So he only had one season where he averaged a triple-double, one, like, full season. But if you add up his first three seasons, it averages out to a triple-double. And so he's coming in the league. Can you imagine – if John Morant came in the league or Cade Cunningham or one of these fellows came in the league and averaged a triple-double their rookie season? I mean, Ayo was close, but yeah. Who was? Ayo was close. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and Shaq came in and had, like, a historically nut job rookie year, and oh, so did crazy. David Robinson. But, like, to average a triple-double, like, I think that would be – Oh, my God, those cards would go bonkers in ultra-modern collectors. Uh, oh, the ultra -modern to, collectors the moon, to the moon emoji. You're, yeah, that's it. Yes, that's it. So Oscar Robertson is uh, is my number eight. Who's your number seven? He was Robinson was my seven. Robertson was your seven. Yeah. Okay, so he's your seven. He's my eight. Yeah. So I'm gonna go on to my number seven. My number seven. We're in the same set again. Yeah. Jerry West. I've got Jerry West ahead of Oscar Robertson um, because of the giraffe on the card. Uh, any card that has a giraffe. I think it's cool. I think yeah. It's cool. Uh, no, I've got I've got him on uh, I've got him ahead because of his post basketball career. Uh, just like you had Phil sneak into your top ten, um, I give a lot of weight and a lot of uh, a credence to what Jerry West has meant to the league post NBA. Sure. And uh, he's obviously the logo, and I know there's been talk about changing the logo. God, I hope they never do that. Right? I hope they don't change it to Jordan or whatever. No. The, the Jordan Grant again. Nobody's a bigger Jordan fan than you and me, right? So right. we're biased. But, like, I don't want the Jordan – not only could they never get that right, like copyright and, you know, infringement and trademark and all that crap, but um, it means something totally separate, right? It just means something different. Jerry West, uh, as the NBA logo, just means history. It means right. uh, stability. It means consistency. It means, you know, longevity. Um and uh, so, and that's why they call them the logo. And that's why, you know, ultra modern cards, the most popular ultra modern card in the world is the logo man. Uh, and that every, every card that, that hits uh, six figures, that's an ultra modern card that has a patch and an auto has Jerry West on the card as well. So it's uh, for that reason, I got Jerry West ahead of Oscar Robertson. I think they were pretty comparable as players. Uh, I know they called Jerry West, Mr. Clutch. Cause he hit a big, you know, half court shot in one of yeah. the finals games, but he did get his ass whipped a lot more than he won, uh, but uh, but he was on that one Laker team that uh, that went bananas in, uh, in in '72 and won the title. So uh, I've got Jerry West there. Looking at his card, you know, I've got all time pulled up. All time, he's up, you know, seventeen hundred percent. That doesn't really mean a lot. Uh, he's like so. In contrast to what we just looked at with Oscar Robertson, Josh, Jerry West cards are up one hundred and fifty percent. So we just looked at Oscar Robertson, same set, same kind of grades. Same, relatively the same player, down 79%. And then we look at Jerry West, up 150%. So i got to believe that that hinges primarily on beginning price point. And so that's the thing is you always got to look at all these data points in between. But 
his PSA 8 to pop 155. It's doable. It's a $16,000 card. At the highest, it hit 35000 You know, I'm assuming that's, yep, right just after the first quarter of 2021. So Jerry West is my seven. Uh, who is your – are we on to six? Who's your six? Bob Cousy. Just one of the early super – not superstars, but early – yeah, superstars of the game, I would call it then. He, first uh, first point guard uh, of note, right, as yeah. far as I know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, was one of the – leaders and the leader in assists for eight years in a row he you know this new he like had a new way of handling the ball new way of of dishing it out uh six i think he had won six titles with the lakers but the uh, celtics whoa <laughs> sorry careful i know you get hate mail <laughs> i know i'm gonna get hate mail for that one yeah celtics Celtics. so yeah i mean he uh was a uh just a great player in in college great player in in the NBA. And, uh, I mean, he definitely, definitely top 75, I think top 50 yep. of all time. Um, so let me ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, Cause this has been talked about a lot, um, <clears throat> by modern players. They've been talking about stuff like this and this, this really came up and got real heated when they did this NBA 75th anniversary team and guys yeah. like Kuzi were in it and guys like Dolph Shays, and Pettit and guys like that, right? These are guys that that dominated their era, that put up crazy numbers in their era, that won multiple, multiple rings. The league was much smaller, so I, I discredit – I don't discredit. I devalue the value of a ring in the 50s and 60s a lot more than today. That's just me, right? I think the NBA, when there's 30 teams trying to win it and you win it, I think that's more impressive than when there was eight or ten, right, which Russell okay. and those guys did. But – uh, I'm speaking more about like basketball ability, and I know it's not fair because science is different, training's different, technology's different, um, just work ethic and threshold, and and like these guys were freaking carrying luggage in the all season to feed their families, right? The basketball wasn't even feeding their families; right. so they had time jobs sometimes, and they were smoking in the locker room at halftime. And I'm not talking about marijuana like they do today; they were actually smoking cigarettes. Right. And cigarettes. Yeah. Um, if you put Bob Cousy in the NBA today, is he the worst player in the NBA? No, I think you know if he had athletic ability then, I think he adapts, and I think he, you know, he's John Stockton today. God, I'm about to hit. I'm about to stop this right now. He's I'm John about to Stockton, way. big assist guy. You know, could move, could handle the ball. You, I, I, you don't. Well, I'm just going to tell you. I, I've seen Bob Cousy highlights, and I'm going to get hate mail here. I've seen Bob Cousy highlights. There is no way in hell Bob Cousy would do anything with me. And I was a, you know, 6'4", 195-pound NAIA point guard, right? So I was a little small college point guard. Bob Cousy would have his hands full with me. You can't put him in the NBA now. Just like you can't put Pettit in there, just like you can't put, you know, um, all these little guys from the 50s and 60s. Like, they can't do it. But there were, you know, there were six NHL teams for the longest time, and some of those guys are the greatest players of all time. They would Resume. Resume, I'm with you. Yeah. When you look at this up here, Josh, look at where my cursor is. Yeah, that absolutely, and that's right. how we have to measure these players. But I'm asking you to take prime Bob Cousy down here, right? Yeah, keep in mind the dude was shooting, never shot 40% from the field. No, that's a problem when you're 6'1 and you can't jump right. and you never dribbled the ball with your left hand. You can't put dudes like this in the NBA today, they would get absolutely eaten alive and demolished. So I think what, yeah. 
anyway, what I'm trying to say is when we talk about the greatest players ever and we're ranking our greatest rookie cards ever, we are talking about what these guys accomplished against their peers in their era, right? It's not, I'm never going to say Bob Pettit could play basketball with Amari Stoudemire, right? right? Or right. Yao Ming or you know, anything like, or Andre yeah. Drummond, for God's sakes, right? He would get absolutely annihilated. Um, we're comparing these guys against players in their era, and I think that's the only way you can do it. I agree. Uh, if we've got a pickup game out back and everybody's in their prime, nobody's picking Bob Cousy. They're just not, right? They're just not. I'm sorry. Uh, You're going to hate my next one, then. Oh, I'm going to love your, your next one is, oh, my God. I don't even want to guess. <laughs> okay, so Cousy was your number, what, six? Yeah. Okay, my number six is the Doc. I got Doc number six. Right. Um, he's the epitome of class. Uh, classiest NBA player of all time. He kind of ushered in a new era of, uh, of style. Uh, people want to know what he was wearing to and from the games, you know. Uh, people hung on every word. He bridged the gap between African-Americans and white fans, right? Yeah. Um, and so he, he was the ABA. He was the face of the ABA. He won a title in the ABA with the Squires. Um, and then when he moved over to the NBA, that was a really, really big deal. Speaking of great nicknames, Iceman is good, but the doctor, I mean, come on. The doctor's got to be close to number one with Magic and Air Jordan, right? Those, those are probably in my top three uh, in some order. But the doctor, you know, I remember as a kid, take two of these and call me in the morning and he hands them, you know, the doc converse, yeah. all you know, the doctors. Um, I've got his PSA nine pulled up. Uh, the one thing he couldn't do is shoot a basketball. He's a terrible shooter, freakishly athletic, uh, especially off one foot, preposterously athletic off one foot. The dunk that he did where he rocked the baby and threw Michael Cooper into the rim, uh, you know, back in the early eighties would be uh, sports center play of the year today. Sure. And you can't say that very often, right? I mean, right. if you go back and you look at old dunk contests, uh, and his dunk contests were not all that impressive, but, um, you know, the games, like we just talked about, the games changed so much. He was doing things a decade before other people could do those same types of things. Uh, right. If you haven't seen it, and you probably have, there's an amazing documentary called The Doctor uh, oh, yeah. Great. that was put out by ESPN about him. And, you know, he lost his brother. His brother passed away while he was yeah. at UMass. And uh, uh, he is just, man, I can't say it enough. He's the epitome of class. I think so many players who played in the 80s and even early 90s, uh, especially African-American players, really looked up to the doctor, the way he carried himself, the way he communicated, the way he branded himself, right? Mm -hmm. He was way ahead of his time. He, he really, you know, if it wasn't for Magic and Bird, he would have been the one who ushered us into the Jordan era. It's just yeah. that everything lined up so perfectly for Magic and Bird. So I love the doc. Um, again, historically, I, I don't have him in my top 15. He, he's probably 20 to 25 range. Mm -hmm. um, but that's based on resume. That's not based on his historical and cultural impact on the on the game. As far as that goes, he's, he's right up there with the best of them. Oh, for sure. But let's look, let's look at the doc. That's about his – I know there's a giant Mount Everest in the middle, but over the last two years – He's down 2% with 40 sales in a PSA 9, you know. So uh, he's held pretty steady. And PSA 8, down 25%, you know, not a huge card. And it's a high pop card, especially for vintage cards, 986, Josh. So, um, you know, if you're going to go get a doc, you can go get a PSA 8 doc card out there anytime you want to, right? 205 have sold in the last 24 months. You'll, they'll be at the National for sure. Yeah, you'll see tons of that at the National. Will we see a 10 at the National? I don't know. Let's see what a 10's worth. Oh, it's not even in card ladder. So there's your answer. Uh, I think it's a pop one. Am I crazy on that? 
No. I might be crazy, but I swear I thought I heard that Doc, 1972 tops rookie card, PSA 10 is a pop one. And then from there, you go to PSA 9, which is pop one sixth. So how about that for uh, condition sensitivity, right? Yeah. Wow. Have the pop one. Um, okay, so that was my number six. Who's your number five? Kareem. Uh, well, Lou Alcindor. Lou Alcindor, right? Lou Alcindor, now known as Kareem. So let me pull Kareem up here. Um Tell me about it. Tell me why. Tell me what you know about this card. Tell me what you know about that sweet green, uh, you know, turtleneck short sleeve he's wearing with no emblem on it. Love it. I think I, I believe they didn't have the rights to use the logos. If I, unless I'm thinking of a different card, but I don't think they can use a logo on those. But I mean, he was coming out of college, right? I think he won a championship every year at UCLA. Every year. Every and they year. couldn't play as freshmen, if I recall, right? So he only won three. But it was right. because he wasn't allowed to play as a freshman, I think. I might be wrong. I, I don't think. know the exact specs, but I think you're right. And I know he played a game in Chicago, at Chicago Stadium, in the middle of the winter. UCLA was in town for an exit. They were playing – I forget who it was, but it was, like, worst snowstorm in Chicago history. And, like, people, uh, you know, lined up outside to see to see him play. Because even as a college senior, he was, you know, known all over the country. Like, the fir- one of the first – like you know, highly touted college players to be drafted. And he's same thing. Look, it started at Power Memorial High School in New York, right? At Power Memorial, everybody in America at a time pre-internet, pre-cell phone, pre-social media, pre-everything, pre-national newspaper, uh, everyone in America had heard about him because he was the next what? He was the next Wilt. Right. And uh, and so he was doing things that that Wilt was doing. So that was the transition back then in the era of the world's greatest big men. Wilt and Russell were these two epic giants that battled in the 60s um, and they ushered in the Kareem era. And, and then Kareem and Wilt overlapped a little bit right there. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, that's uh, Kareem is 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 special. Uh, I think a lot of younger collectors don't understand um exactly what his stats right. and accomplishments are they they've just kind of I, I bet this if you ask the average 30 or 35 year old who had a better career kobe or kareem i bet you 90 percent of them would say kareem and 100 percent of those 90 percent are wrong right. it's not close go look at what kareem did and uh you know the one knock against kareem is that he put up a lot of his numbers and his accolades and his awards in an era where um it was probably the worst era of NBA basketball. Would you say the seventies kind of was the worst era of NBA basketball? Cause if, cause if we're looking at our list and you know, we're working through our yeah. list, um, you got, you got Moses Malone, you got uh, Gervin, right. Uh, you got Pete. Uh, it just doesn't have the same star power as the sixties or right. the eighties, nineties, two thousands. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. What do you think about the seventies, the bas- NBA basketball in the seventies? It was a dying brand. It wasn't great. I mean, it was it wasn't really that good. I mean, it was the Knicks won a couple, the Sixers won, I believe, and yeah, yeah. It's like it's probably like the forgotten decade. Like, eh, yeah, like if you said, "Hey, who's the who was the dynasty of the?" Well, here's the other problem: is ABA, right? You know, taking away this fledgling league showed up with this colorful basketball and you know the strippers at halftime and, and giveaways and all these gimmicks and all this stuff. And, uh, bro, they pulled some players, man. I mean, they pulled some players away from the NBA. I mean, it was there was some superstar talent in the ABA with Dan Issel and Artis Gilmore and George yeah. Gervin and Dr. J. So um, that matters, you know. Um, so Kareem dominated his league, and you can only play who they put in front of you. 
And, uh, I mean, what people don't understand, he's a six-time MVP. Nobody's had more. Uh, Two-time finals MVP. He was 11 times all defensive. People thought he was soft because they saw him shoot, you know, the finesse skyhook all the time. Um, But it's not his fault. He was was taller, and he had – he created the most unstoppable shot in the history of – basketball right? right i mean people talk about jordan's fadeaway jordan's fadeaway was nothing compared to kareem skyhook you, you know stop it no i mean again still the the the, the all-time leading scorer 19 all-star teams 19 that's like that lebron's is. pushing on that right he's, he's chasing that right um but you know one of you know kareem carl malone lebron these guys longevity is their friend longevity is gonna uh be what we'll remember these guys for extended yep. Greatness for an, an amazing duration. And the only difference between, you know, Kareem and Carl Malone and guys like that is dude's got six MVPs and he's got five. Where's his title? Six NBA titles. That's a lot of titles, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's a big deal. So I right now, I'm just right at that point where I've got LeBron pushing Kareem to number three. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't weight rings quite as much as most people. Where do you have Kareem on your all-time list, Josh? Oh, he's I, – I got to put him at top five. Yeah. You know, I put him at top five. I mean, For sure top five. It's it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I think we both have Jordan one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Michael Chris. Jordan, right? Jordan one. And then for me, it's still tough, Kareem and LeBron. It's not It's not a It's not a ho-hum no-brainer. Uh, okay. and, and part of that is just because I'm old and, um, and, and I give a little more credit to these older guys than a lot of the younger people do. Um, you know, the one, the one stat I keep looking at that LeBron separates himself is points accounted for. Uh, he's so far ahead of anybody. Uh, points and assists. Uh, point is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. And oh. he's, he's like on another chart. Like he, okay. you can have your chart and all those just, you know, group of people. And then LeBron's like on another whole chart. Like it's not even remotely close. Like it's a I record mean, that will never be touched ever. Me, not I, as long yeah. as uh, I put LeBron so, too. It's no brainer for me. It's yeah. like, it's, and look, these are these are the type of arguments where you you know have a couple of beers and sit in a bar and argue for like five hours just on one argument, Kareem or LeBron, or you know I guess if you wanted to LeBron and Jordan or LeBron and Kareem or whatever. But uh, yeah, so Kareem um, Kareem was number five on your list. Yeah, Kareem was number two on my list, Josh. Um, that, because I think he's probably the third greatest player of all time, and LeBron doesn't have a vintage card. So right. uh, I've got I've got Kareem uh, number two on my list. Of all of the names that we're going to talk about on these lists, he, his name is number one as far as NBA basketball resume. And there's only one reason his not he's not card number one, and we're going to get to there in a second. I don't want to spoil it. So uh, number five on my list, I'm not going to talk about it too long. I think I know where this is going to be on your list because even though you're younger than me, you act older, uh, is George <laughs> Mikan. Uh, I've got George Mikan number five on my list. So let's pull it up. Um, it's only because he was first. That's it. I, I don't think he was better than Pettit. I don't think he was better than Wilt. I don't think he was better than Russell. I don't think he was better than any of the names on the list at all. Um, but uh, but he is uh, he is he is number five on my list. Uh, you know the card is just. I mean, God, I, I can't even look at the card. He's wearing a belt, man. He's wearing a. Belt. I love it. It's a great card. He's got, got glasses on. He's playing NBA basketball with glasses. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. So 12,600 for PSA six, you know, this card, let's see what this card's done over the past few, you know, past couple of years, up seven, last night. down seven percent, uh, PSA nine up 150%, PSA eight up a hundred percent. And so those are rare cards. We've all heard about the PSA 10. It's a pop one. Maybe that's what I was thinking of, not the doc, but it's a PSA, uh, PSA 10 is a pop one and, and card ladder has it is about a little over 3 million. 
You want to go 50-50 with me? You got it. You take an yeah. unendorsed third-party check. Okay. You write the first check, and then I'll just owe you for the other you one. You got there. it. No problem. I mean, uh, so that's, last night. I think it's five on my list. Again, I don't think he belongs in the same category as the other 10 on my list as far as basketball uh, resume. He was just first. Uh, he was the first great big man. He was the first NBA superstar, and he yeah. was – you know, he won everything. He just dominated his era. I mean, what you can only play in the era that you're born in, and he was born in it, and he dominated it. I don't know what else to say. So, um, Who's number four on your list? Anything? What else? You got something else to say about Mike? Because he's number one. The card's awesome in terms of, like, top vintage rookie cards. It's just an awesome card. It's my number one just because it's it's hard. It's rare. It's hard to find in, in a higher grade, and I just think it's a great image. I love it. I think it's a great card. I've got a PSA, yeah. too. So. I was going to ask you. You have a PSA, too. Yeah. Let's pull up the PSA two. Six thousand dollar card. Damn. Oh my god. That's crazy. And pretty steady over the only two of them have sold over the last two years. I and it's uh, steady fifty seven hundred, fifty six hundred. I mean that that card's not going anywhere, right? Mikan's legacy is what it is. It's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any worse. Um, And that's something that I like to talk about when people are like, "Yeah, at some point, people are going to forget about Moses Malone. People are going to forget about Bird and Magic. Their cards are going to go down." They're not. You know why? Because I never saw Mike in play. You never saw Mike in play. Guess who else we didn't see play? Honus Wagner uh, or Josh Gibson or Bob, or, or Bob Cousy or Satchel Page or Yeah, but fill in the blank. I didn't see these right. guys play, but right. I know where they belong, and I've read about them, and I've heard old people talk about them. You know, um, it's like uh, it's like Roman emperors. You know, right. we never got to see them, you know, rule the Roman Empire, but we sure as hell know their names and we know who they are. They've lived for thousands of years. So I don't think George Mikan's name is going to be erased from the annals of NBA history. Uh, I shouldn't say annals, annals of NBA history. It's a family uh, show. Yeah. I don't want that to get misconstrued. Right. That's our other show. Well, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. So Mikan's number one on your list. He's number five on my list just because I don't think he's quite there as a player. But I, I recognize the, the, how special that card is as, you know, the first real vintage rookie card. That is the first mainstream set, right? It is. It is. A Beckett 2 sold for 5200 bucks last night. A Beckett 2. Yep. And then BBG. a one sold for 3300 Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and, that, and that's one of the rare cards where you can say, look, anything in a slab is relevant. I mean, it just is. I mean, PSA, BVG, SGC, if it's a one, it's freaking relevant, man. His his Scott's potato chip card is a thousand times rarer and awesome. It never comes up. Is it more valuable? It's, it's not going to yes, be more valuable. Yes, a lot more because it's, uh, you know, it's a regional potato chip card. You never find it. It's from Minnesota after they won the championship. It's like a pencil drawing with blue. It's, I think it's fantastic. They we should have it in card ladder. We may see it at the National. If you see one in the National, you got to buy it because it never pops up. I'll find you. Yeah, I'll come find you. Well, I'm not buying it. Because, you know, no, I'm just not. But I'll come find you and I'll let you buy it. Uh, all right. Card number four on your list. What's card number four on your list? Card number four, I put Dr. J. Okay. So we talked about Doc, right? Uh, Doc, for all the for reasons me, you said. For all the reasons what, you said. Yeah. For all the reasons I just said. He's everything, anything and everything. And he bridged the gap. He, he brought ABA, NBA together and still continued to dominate and won a title. I think he, if I'm, I might be wrong, but I, I, if I recall, his Sixers team with Moses and Andrew Tony and Mo Cheeks and Bobby Jones was the only team in the 80s, uh, uh, only team to to win a title during those years where the Lakers and Celtics were alternating titles, right? And Is that beat, right? Yeah, they beat the Celtics in the, uh, I think it was a game seven. Yeah. Was it seven games? I can't remember. It was 84, 85. Yeah, because I just watched that, that uh, documentary about the Celtics and the Lakers. Yep. And then 
And then so Celtics, Lakers, Sixers, and then that gave rise to the Pistons era, which was, you know, Jordan's big hurdle that he had to get over. So, okay, Doc is your number four. My number four is Bill Russell. My number one through four are entrenched, and they are probably never going to change. No one's ever going to be able to convince me otherwise. But uh, my number four is Bill Russell, the 57 tops. Um, I'll pull it up here on the screen for you guys. There it is. you know, pretty rare card in, uh, you know, PSA 8, it's $185,000 approximately, yeah. two hundred grand. I mean, that's a crazy card, right? That's like yeah. a – that's that's more than an 86 Fleer Jordan PSA 10. That's yeah. that's pushing PMG Red, Essential Credentials type stuff, Star Rubies, you know. So uh, the world knows who Bill Russell was. He was uh, obviously one of the greatest winners of all time, uh, certainly the greatest winner in his sport, uh, in my opinion you know, throwing Phil Jackson and Robert Ory and Steve Kerr out, right? Because he was the alpha. Like, he was the player and the primary focal point and the reason. And what's funny is he scored a bit, you know. He didn't shoot the ball well. He wasn't an offensive force, but he wanted it more. He worked harder. He's one of the most elite defenders if you compare him against players in his era. One of the most elite rebounders if you compare him against players in his era. Um, So, Bill Russell is just special. Everybody, when they think winning, they think Bill Russell. When they think just statistical freakish dominance they think will chamberlain right and that was the great dichotomy back then so before there was bird and magic there was wilt and bill and it was uh the battle of 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 two legendary big men so i've got bill russell number four 57 tops uh on my list i don't have this card um i recently liquidated all of my vintage cards uh to kind of hit the reset button and focus on bigger vintage cards so i had kind of a mid a mid-grade wilt and then a mid-grade uh, Kareem or Lou Alcindor card. And then I had – I shouldn't have done this, but I sold my PSA 9 uh, Bird Magic Tops, 1980 Tops. I shouldn't have done that. I should have just held that because I can't get any better on that because the PSA 10 is like 700 grand. So um, I've got to put this card in my collection at some point, even though yeah. I'm a Wilt over Bill Russell guy. Are you Russell or Wilt if you had to choose? Wilt. Okay. Then then you and me are together on that one for once. Yeah. For once, you and I are right on the same page on that one. Um, a squirrel, I, you know what they say. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're a squirrel from <laughs> nut every once in a while, right? Uh, or as Billy Hoyle and White Man Can't Jump said, even the, the even the sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while, right? That's right. Um, well, here's my take, and, and and this is the way that I usually end arguments about Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain is when people say, "Well, Russell won blah blah blah, and Wilt Chamberlain only won blah blah blah." I say, "Okay, why don't we switch their teams in 1957, and Wilt Chamberlain would have 15 rings." Right. Um, and right. then that kind of ends the argument, you know what I mean? So, um, that's kind of the way that I like to end the argument with Steph Curry and Jordan. You know, uh, you, you want to put Steph Curry near Jordan. Okay. Give Jordan Steph Curry's teammates. Um, it would not be pretty and he would have 47 rings, you know? Um, so yeah. you never lose. Yeah. I always play the, I always play the switch teams game. Right. So, right. um, you know, like, like, Kevin McHale versus Barkley or Carl Malone. Just switch their teams and tell me that Barkley and Carl Malone wouldn't have multiple rings. They would. It's just the way it is, man. So um, it's a team sport. It's not tennis. It's not golf. So, um, okay. So who's your uh, – that was my number four. Who was your number four? Uh, Dr. J. Uh, yeah. So who's your number three? Will. Okay. Just for who he is. It's legendary NBA, you know, one of the most legendary players of all time. What he averaged, I think he averaged 30 points and I think I think 20 rebounds for his career. Yep, I'm gonna pull it up because and, and 
again, I, I've, I've done videos and I could do a whole video on Wilt Chamberlain. I know all of the stories. I've read his book, A View From Above. I know about Overbrook High School, what he did. And, and yeah. he played pro basketball under a fake name when he was a high school, when he was a high school player, right? And he dominated, right? And they write articles in the paper about this guy. And I can't remember the fictitious name, but uh, everything about him, Josh, like literally I could do a video mm -hmm. on the top 50 uh, rumor slash facts about right. Chamberlain. And, and right. you can try to figure out what's true and what's fake. But some of the stuff that's absolutely true sounds fake. Never fouled out of an NBA game. One season he played more than 48 minutes in uh, per game, right? Because he played overtime and never sat out a second. Uh, his, uh, his pseudonym was George Marcus. That's it. That's it. George Marcus. <laughs> I just looked it up. I, I didn't know off the hand. It was George Markin. And look, some another great nickname, Wilt the Stilt, the Big Dipper, Dippy Dip, the Load, Big Musty. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. He probably doesn't like that one. The Record Book is awesome. Yes, uh, yes. Wilty Whip and the Whipper. I've never heard those. But I've heard Big Dipper and Wilt the Stilt yeah. and uh, the Record Book. Great names. You know, he played 14 years. Um, you know, always much maligned for his poor free throw shooting. If he shot 70%, he'd be the all-time leading scorer. Uh, from the free throw line, you know, uh, I mean, look at his numbers, everything that's in bold on your screen. He led the league. Yeah. You know, you want to talk about load management, Down. not with this dude. No, no way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's famous when he came in his rookie year and averaged 37 and 27 next year, 38 and 27 the next year. That's the year, right? That's the year that, that everybody talks about 50 yep. and 25. That's insane. What the hell? I mean, I don't even know what to say. So here's the one thing that people forget is that they didn't keep track of blocks, right, until I can't remember the season. It was maybe the 1970 season, 69, something like that is when they started keeping track of blocks. And they say that if they had kept track of blocks, they've gone back and kind of reconstructed it with some backwards math. Mm -hmm. And they think that there were seasons where he might have had 65, 70 triple doubles, Josh. <laughs> I mean, let that sink in, dude. Right. Seven for, a, for a seven-foot one dude, right? Um, right. And then, and then one of the greatest actors of all time, right, from Conan the Destroyer. That's right. I forgot about that's right. Top five ah. movie of all time. Like I haven't seen that. I've seen that once. I have never I have not gone back to rewatch <laughs> okay You know what to expect when you see a Conan movie, but uh right. but Will makes he literally makes Arnold Schwarzenegger look like his grandson in the movie. Right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. So story it. after story after story. I, we got to do another video on on rumors. I'll I'll put I'll say something and you say fact or rumor and you try to guess if it's true or not. We'll do another episode just on Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, but I don't want to take him all day. Wilt's number three on my list too, Josh. Which is hard for me to say because he's he's probably my favorite vintage player. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's look, this is no you know slight against Wilt, but you know cards number one and two are both epic and legendary. So right. uh, let's move on to your number two. Who's your number two? Bird Magic. I mean, one of the most iconic duos. Oh, that's right. You've got Mike and one, don't you? Yeah. Okay. So you had Mike and one. So you've got Bird Magic. Uh, your Bird Magic is number two. I'll let the cat out of the bag. Bird Magic is my number one. Uh, it checks. Uh, it checks one box that no other card in NBA vintage basketball collecting checks and that is right. there's three people on the card yeah. right and two of them are both top 10 players that ever lived and then yeah. the two guys that saved the nba and they transitioned it and passed the torch um you know black versus white city versus rural uh you know small indiana state versus big michigan state college rivalry uh you know 
East Coast versus West. I mean, dude, what it's it's literally like if you made up a story and said, "Hey, I want to make up a story to save the NBA." Right. This is the exact story that you would make up, Josh. And Larry probably was the best shooter, maybe the best shooter of all time. I mean, yeah. And, and it's hard. You say that, and people are gonna be like, "This bald dude's an idiot," right? No. Because of Steph Curry and all that. But, <laughs> Larry Bird didn't grow up shooting three-pointers. Do you think if Larry Bird, you know, spent as much time training the three-point right. shot, shooting off the dribble like Steph, you don't think he could have shot them all like Steph? I think he probably could have. Um, I, I don't know. I, that being said, I think Steph's the greatest three-point shooter of all time. I'm sure you would agree, but it's only because of the era he played in. We don't we don't know what Bird would or could have done. Dominated. There's that story. He played the whole game with his other, opposite hand. Just Left hand. Could, and he still Left hand. was still lights out. Yeah. Uh, right after Wilt Chamberlain, I'm not exaggerating. I think right after Wilt Chamberlain, the next most, you know, legendary Paul Bunyan type folktales are told about Larry Bird yes. because he was so unique. He was not a, an ounce athletic. Right. He will right. dunk the ball. And you've seen some some right. times where he got pissed off and dunked the ball, but played at his own pace, uh, had a beautiful curly mullet. Uh, he, he wore green underwear instead of shorts. They were so short. It was horrible. It's tough to look at. Uh, <laughs> white people should not wear all black shoes. It makes them look really slow. But I think Bird loved it. I think he's like, you think I'm slow now? Wait till you see how slow I look in these black shoes with white tube socks. I'll show you slow. Legendary, um, legendary trash talker. Oh, tr legendary trash talker. I mean, unquestionably legendary trash talker. And his numbers, again, people... You know, he was a notch behind Magic in the winning column, right? Yeah. Um, both of them had legendary big threes, great teams, other Hall of Famers all over the place. Uh, the difference between Magic and Bird is Bird won three MVPs in a row. Yeah. Um, and am I wrong? Is he the only person to ever do that? Did Kareem do it? I'm not sure if he did. I don't believe so. I can't remember. I know Moses won three, but I don't think Moses won three in a row. I might be wrong. Uh, and I'm not sure if Kareem won three in a row. I think Bird's the only one to ever win three in a row. But uh, the hick from French Lick, the great white hope, and Larry Legends. Again, Larry Legends right up there with Magic Johnson is the greatest nicknames of all time. Uh, were you, you know, obviously – if, if people are old enough, I mean, Lakers, you know, Lakers versus Celtics was a big deal, right? It was, just, it was like it defined the 80s and saved basketball. What side of the fence were you on back then? Man, I like the Celtics only okay. because I loved Boston Garden. Yeah. But that was because yeah. I like the, the Bruins. So, but so there's a hockey connection there because yeah. the Bruins and the, and the Celtics played in the same building. And I thought Boston Garden was cool as hell. So I rooted for the Celtics and I loved Larry Bird. I thought he was. He made great passes. He's like, ah, I can play. Like this guy. There you go. Man, look, he, he gave all of his hope, uh, you know, a slow white guy could play in the NBA. But <laughs> what people forget is he was a six foot nine, 220 pound slow white guy. That's different, right? You don't see six nine, 220 walking around uh, on the streets very often. So people forget he was a big ass dude. And I've heard he was not six nine. I've heard he was six ten and a half. Uh, so I've heard his height was a little bit. Um, a little bit uh, under under listed in all of the NBA uh, in historical accounts, but um, man, just ridiculous. You know, from French Lick, Indiana, like in the summer summer uh, months, he would just go mow his yard, right? And he'd just go mow his yard, and uh, that was his that was his release. Had a really tough upbringing, really tough life. Mm -hmm. Everybody's heard about Bird. We're not going to talk about him anymore. But uh, but you've got Bird Magic second. I've got Bird Magic once. It's Bird. It's Magic's rookie card, and then you put another one of these top ten type guys, Dr. J, right in the middle. 
on a scoring leaders card, and it's incredible. Um, you know, we know about the PSA 10. It's recently been selling for 600, 700. Here's the last uh, two years, right? Wow. 720, 550, 550, 513, 861, 800, 840, 660, man. Um, it's a huge card. It's a pop 22. I, I don't anticipate I will ever own this card, but uh, right behind uh, the Jordan 86 Fleer, the 84 Star 101 Jordan. Um, I would put this card third for me before uh, NPSA 10. I would put this card third before the LeBron RPA. That's me. Well, yeah, me too. Yeah, I would too. But I, I mean, I don't like that card. But yeah, I, I mean, this card is awesome. It's unique. Um, yeah, uh, three people have won three NBA titles and three NBA MVPs in a row. It was Russell, Wilt, and then Larry. I should have known Russell would have done it, of course. Yeah. And then Wilt, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wilt, Wilt was winning MVPs while, you know, Russell was winning titles. So, right. yeah, I should have put those two together. So, Moses never did it and Kareem never did it. No. Nope. Okay. Not three okay. in a row. No. And then Bird did it in an era where Kareem and Magic were both trying to do it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and and Jordan, right. And overlap with Jordan, you know, yeah. early Jordan. Yeah. Jordan's early part of his career. That's right. Okay. So, that was uh, that was number two on your list. Number one on your list was Mike and. Yeah, and then number one on my list is Bird Magic. Number two on my list is Kareem. So um, we're pretty similar, except you made a terrible mistake and put Phil Jackson on your list. Uh, other than that, you know. a little, add a little spice to the show, you know. I like it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, a couple of cards that we left out. All right, because there's going to be some guys uh, who are super hyper, and I know you're huge into baseball vintage. You're pretty big into basketball vintage, but there's going to be guys out there that are like nutso about basketball vintage that are not going to be happy with us if we don't mention some of these other guys so i'm going to mention them uh bob pettit bob yeah, pettit's the sure. only player to win a title uh and he won it for the hawks uh the st louis hawks during the era of wilt and russell so every other title went to wilt or russell but pettit won one during that era interesting fact he sits right down for me literally two seats over at lsu home basketball games and I'm good friends with his son, who's a great dude. And this guy signs autographs to this day uh, for people in the arena and gets tons of attention. He's an LSU legend. Um, the all-time LSU team, by the way, I put up against anybody. It was Shaq, Pistol Pete, Bob Pettit. I mean, big-time players played at LSU. So Bob Pettit's a legend down here in this area of town uh, in, sure. this, in the state of Louisiana. So Bob Pettit's got to get a mention in there. His cards are criminally undervalued, by the way, considering what he did. Um you know, a PSA 8's pop 46, it's only $3,700. That's insane. It's like Luca Silver was 9000 a few, you know, years ago, and it was pop 2000 Doesn't make any sense. Uh, another one is Rick Barry. Uh, criminally undervalued as a player. Incredible score. Also one of the meanest MFers in the world. Yeah. Not, not just basketball players. He's one of the meanest people in the world. He was so mean that he got kind of blackballed from the entire NBA um, yeah. just because he's mean as hell. But he uh, wasn't very mean. Filthy score, uh, you know, had two kids play in the NBA. I can't remember if uh, – I know John Barry did. Brent Barry is a really good NBA player. Yeah. I can't remember if Scooter Barry played in the NBA, but he had at least so. two players play in the NBA. Yeah. Um, so Rick Barry's there. His PSA 9, his PSA 10 is going to be a monster, I can tell you. Yeah, Pop 87, $30,000 card, so that's no joke. I, I uh, love his PSA 9 yeah. you could go get for $3,300 to Pop 52. I love the logo. I love the uh, the graphics on that card. It's great. It's fifty. It's thirty three hundred. That is a cool looking card with the baby yeah. blue in the background. But yeah. um, thirty three hundred bucks. New York Nets. I had no idea. I always identify Rick Barry with the Golden State Warriors, don't Me you? Too. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, up 165% in PSA 9, and it's still only $3,300. It just mm. it seems undervalued, right? Um, I think so. How much yeah. of that is the NBA not really doing a lot to connect the history of the game with current game? Like, they, they do the 75th anniversary, but, I mean, it seemed like it didn't get that much publicity or they weren't marketing it that much. They don't really market their, their the history of the game as much as, like, baseball or football. Like, football does. Baseball yeah. You know, football when they when they hand out the uh, trophy, they got like all the former uh, players like on the on the field. They handed them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, yeah. I mean, we used to have Bill Russell hand it to him in the NBA, right? Right. And it was the Bill Russell Award for the NBA Finals MVP. But look at this, look at these accolades right here for Rick Barry, twelve-time All-Star, um, won the title, right, with the Golden State Warriors yeah. in that weird, you know, seven, mid seventies era that we talked about. Um, uh, he was a steals champ, scoring leader, steals leader. MVP, All-Star Game MVP, Finals MVP, four-time All-NBA. Um, he was the ABA All-Time Team and NBA 75th, Josh. <laughs> so he split that career up and was still All-NBA top, you know, 75th anniversary team and ABA All-Time Team, uh, and clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer. He had four sons. I don't remember Canyon Barry. I just Man. remember uh, Brent Drew. I thought Scooter Barry was his kid. Maybe it was a cousin or something or nephew or something. Hmm. Strange. Um, anyway, uh, filthy score, ridiculous. Average 35 points his second year in San Francisco, 34, 27, 29. Um, just put up bonkers numbers, dude, and was uh, and just mean as snakes, you know. So we won't want to forget about him. Uh, who else? Pete Maravich. Uh, yeah. Did you put Pete on your list, or was he honorable mention? Honorable mention. Pist- yeah. yeah. He just missed the list. If I wasn't trying to be cute with Phil Jackson, that Pistol Pete would have made it. Yeah, I'm right there. Pistol Peter Gervin would have snuck in my top ten, uh, real close, re- right there. Uh, again, uh, I left him off a list of, of obviously great LSU players: Bob Pettit, Shaq, uh, Pistol Pete. Um, Lights you know, out. Yeah, Ben Simmons. They've been a great team. Big team. Uh, so Pistol Pete right here, PSA eight, super affordable. His cards are actually down a little bit over the last two years, and PSA eight they're down. PSA 9 is way the hell up because it's a much lower pop, and you know pop is everything now. So, um, But it, believe it or not, his PSA 7 is up 114%, but his PSA 8 is down 12%. These are the weird arbitrages in the hobby I don't understand, and I wish I didn't have a full-time job. I wish we weren't attorneys and we could go kind of digest information and really make moves because um, I love the investing aspect of the hobby. This is shit that doesn't make sense to me, Josh. Excuse my language, but like – it doesn't make sense to me. Why would a PSA 8 be down 13% and a PSA 7 is up 114%? It's not like a small difference, right? You know what I mean? And we're more people willing to drop 1400 $1, bucks for the card than they are 2500 maybe. I don't know. It's like there's a okay, more of a market for the I mean, that's not that big a difference. You know what no, I mean? Like cards in play at 14, it's in play at 24, I would think for most people. Maybe I'm just taking that for no, granted. Yeah, I agree with you. Weird stuff, man. Weird stuff. Uh, Artist Gilmore is on my um, – and he barely made the honorable mention list. Same. He's really tall. He split his career as well. Um, rebounded the hell out of the ball. His cards are super affordable in a nine, not so much in a ten. $27,000 for a guy that a lot of young people probably have never heard of. But he was a great player. Played with the Kentucky Colonels, uh, which is my hometown team back in, uh, cool. back in Kentucky. Uh, Bill Walton, we didn't talk about. Um, I'm about to do a really cool video, Josh, in the next couple of weeks that I'm going to release about the all-time what-if teams, guys that what if they hadn't gotten hurt 
or what if they hadn't gotten killed in a car wreck or what if they hadn't done drugs, whatever, you know, sure. the what if team, like if this guy had stayed healthy, kept his junk together and had a productive full NBA prime, you know, where would they be historically? Bill Walton's on my video, right? He's in my, my NBA all time five. And he, he had, it. you know, obviously people know he had chronic foot issues, right? He, just like Kareem, absolutely dominated at UCLA. He was part of those 10 in a row that, that uh, John Wooden won. And uh, one of the greatest passing big men of all time, almost like a Sabonis before Sabonis. Um, and uh, he, he won a title. I think the only title that Portland, the Portland Trailblazers have ever won, of yep. course, um, in, a, in a, I think in a season where I don't think anybody expected them to win it. And he went out and he won it. And he was that good of a teammate. Really, really brilliant dude, even though he sounds kind of funny when he talks. Brilliant dude. Pretty obnoxious as an announcer, uh, pretty Pac-10 homer, but very, very intelligent and thoughtful human being. He did a baseball game for the White Sox, about, I think, last year or two years ago with, really? uh, with the White Sox, with Jason Benetti from the White Sox. It was the funniest thing in the world. It was great. He is he is a, a trip, man. No pun intended, but he's great. Yeah, pun intended. That pun dude intended, was right, yeah. doing I mean, some acid and everything else he could get his hands on, right? He was probably creating drugs in an era where <laughs> mixing them together, right? Given to him. PSA 10 is only a pop three. Um, I mean, just look at that guy. He looks like the leader of an Amish cult. Uh, and like he was one of the players. No. Yeah, he's right. one of the best basketball players that ever lived. You know, they called him Big Red or whatever, the Big Redhead. Uh, <clears throat> have the check. As a Celtics fan, you know, yeah. somebody who liked the Celtics in, in Boston Garden, Havlicek is super undervalued, super underappreciated in the hobby. Uh, one of the legendary Celtics on a list with so many other names, with Russell oh, yeah. and Kuzi and Bird and, uh, you know, Marcus Smart. So, uh, but Havlicek is up there. Uh, his PSA 9, you know, is a pop 30. It's an $11,000 card. His PSA 10 is a banger. Uh, card ladders got it at about $168,000. Uh, I don't think we'll see one of those at the National. Uh, it's a pop 30. Yeah. No way. Uh, really, really monster card. And then uh, we already talked about Gervin. <clears throat> and then I've got Nate Archibald on here. Crazy affordable in PSA 9. Um, you know, Tiny Archibald, as most people knew him, was a fantastic player. Uh, so I don't want to overlook him. His PSA 10 is a pop one. That's that same year that we saw for the uh, Rick Barry card, just that kind of forgotten year of 1971. Right. You know, we know about 69. We know about 72. But 71 sort of gets forgotten. So that's, uh, that's Rick Barry and Tiny Archibald. And then, um, and then we talked about Moses. So that's it, Josh. That's our list. Uh, hopefully, everybody enjoyed this. Again, we don't know anything and everything there is about you know the history of NBA basketball, but I know enough to know that you know it's important uh, for yeah. the foundation for what we have now. And, um, and and we were talking about this in the Jordan group chat the other day. Is uh, collecting baseball cards has been a thing for pushing 100 years. Over 100 years. Basketball cards wasn't a thing in the 50s, 60s, 70s, or early 80s, Josh. It, it, it kind of came on late, right? And so well, that's the difference right. between baseball and basketball. You can speak better to this. Tell me what you think about that. There's been continuous ba baseball cards, either in tobacco or gum or something since 1886. 1886, and now it's 2022. And the stuff from the 1880s goes for big dough. Stuff from the 1890s, early turn of the century, still goes for money. There's still a very healthy segment of the hobby that buys that stuff. Um, I'll show you some tables at the show. Uh, and uh, for basketball, though, what, you had the 48 set, then there's a 57 set, then there's a 61. Eight-year gap, eight-year yeah. gap, nine-year yeah. gap from 48 to 57, then another four-year gap to 61, then, a, then another eight-year gap. Like, nobody right. wants this crap, Josh. They didn't well, want it. 
that's the, but there's regionals, right? There's, there's a ton of regional issues that you're separate. You know, there wasn't the internet in the 1950s. So you're separated by geography and you couldn't, you didn't know it existed. How would you know? You would. If something in Kansas city was making like a hot dog company made cards, like, you know, they have cons wieners for basket for baseball that the, the, the package of the, of the hot dogs were, were baseball cards. Those are, those still go for a obscene amount of money. Um, yeah. I mean, basketball just, I don't know why, but they just didn't have continuous sets going out every year. I, I mean, think, think about it, Josh. Think about if we didn't have baseball cards from 1982 to 1984, you know, right. we didn't have basketball cards. Right. It went from 81 tops to, to the star brand, which wasn't even really, you know, we can get into that later, but right. think about that. And that was the eighties, man. That was when bird and magic were playing. We didn't have right. basketball cards. Right. And so the difference between baseball vintage and basketball vintage, I think in football to some extent is it was it's not nostalgic for dudes in their sixties or seventies to go get these cards. Cause they weren't collecting them when they were kids. They weren't around. Right. right. Exactly. They, they weren't around. Well, it just wasn't a thing. They existed, right. but it wasn't a thing. Whereas, yeah, I mean, if you show a 65-year-old guy a 52 mantle, they, they're going to be like, that's a 52 mantle. You know, I mean, they know, right. they've seen it. We, we all grew up seeing it. Um, even people our age, we grew up seeing vintage baseball cards in magazines and price guides and Beckett's and, right. and card shops and things like that. You didn't see as much of this stuff. And even though it's low pop, it does trail. It does trail baseball vintage. So um, that's kind of always the discussion. But anyway, uh, we're over an hour. Good Lord. Uh, we were supposed to do a top 10 list and, and take three minutes a card. And as usual, Cajun Cardboard took off with it and uh, and turned it into a long evening. But uh, anyway, uh, anything else you want to add? You know, uh, we will not be able uh, – this will be the last pop report for the National. I didn't tell you that. I'm on family vacation next week with wife and kids, so I'm getting away. So I've got six days with them, and then I come back for one day, which I won't have time to do a, another episode, and then yeah. we go to the National, and I meet you in Philly, and we go. I gotta start organizing all my cards. I got my whole floor here set with cards to price and say what I'm taking with me because I'm if I take it on the on the plane, I don't want to check it. So right. And then there's a UPS store at, in the convention center. I'm gonna ship a bunch of stuff. Not cards, but other stuff. I got some t-shirts made and then some other supplies I'm gonna ship out there. And then just so auctions.com t-shirts. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you owe me one. one. Oh, I got one for you. I sent you a Cajun Cardboard t-shirt, oh, right? I used it today. I worked out. I used it today. The exercise for an hour gave me extra strength to uh, get through. So, Did you cut the sleeves off and, and let the guns out or what? Uh, no, it's, you know, I wanted to, I don't want to embarrass Respect anybody, so I just kept them on. It's fine. Respect the shirt. Respect That's the right. shirt. Um, well, cool. I definitely want to get one of those t-shirts from you for sure. I'll you. wear it on the, on the, uh, on the flight back to Louisiana after the national. So, uh, anyway, um, Josh, thanks for joining us Thank as you. usual. Another episode. That's episode number 11. And this one was a little bit more up your alley. This was fun, man. Um, yep. again, I need to pick up some of these cards. I feel like there's a little bit of a void in my collection, not having any of these right now, but, it's a uh, it's a problem. I'm going to remedy pretty soon. How many of the cards we talked about today do you own? I got about. Uh, let me look. I got uh, I got the Pistol Pete. I got the Hondo. I got the I got the Mike. And I think I got only like four or five. Like I don't yeah. really. Yeah. Really, yeah. Well, the National is probably a good place to pick this stuff up, especially in low to mid grade, and and they're not really running right now. So you can go. I mean, you can kind of pick them up at pretty reasonable prices. I bet you can get every single card on this list at the show. Without, yeah. without oh, no question. No question. Right. If you look hard enough, for sure. And right. it's easy to spot vintage tables because they you don't have to put sunglasses on to look at it. Like all the bright, shiny crap that we look right. at now. Right. right. You don't have to put sunglasses on when you get to the vintage table. Plus, the guys that are selling them are like 100 years old. So, oh, um, they're probably asleep anyway. Right. Yeah. 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 Hey, can I have this? And he's snoozing, right? Some of the meanest dealers are the vintage guys. And everyone said, like, just a mean. 
even in the even in the small sample size that I've experienced here in Louisiana at these little baby shows that are 30, 35 tables, some of the meanest people are the guys. I don't get it. Like it's cards. Have fun. I know why. It's because uh, number one, they're old. People get angry when they're old because everything hurts. But number two, they don't want to sell it anyway. So who gives a damn? Why am I right. nice to you? I don't want to sell it. I really want to keep the card. I don't really want to sell it unless you overpay me for it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, all right, that wraps it up. That's episode number 11. Thanks, Josh. Uh, have a good rest of your Sunday. Good luck in your work week. Uh, we'll, we'll probably talk by message or text, but we're not going to see each other until I get off that uh, plane in Philadelphia. You better sit your ass down and wait for my flight to get there. Don't abandon me. All right. I won't. <laughs> that did not sound convincing. <laughs> Everybody knows you're lying. All right. I'll see you later. Later. Take it easy. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, keep uh, keep collecting. Stay positive in the hobby. If you see me at the National, grab me. I expect you to. I like to meet all of you guys that I haven't got a chance to meet yet in person. Uh, but keep collecting. Stay positive in the hobby. Stay positive in the hobby, especially at the National. It's going to be a little bit of a stressful event, but uh, let's go have some fun together. And uh, peace. <laughs>